0: another I have another question and I'm sorry I'm sorry you have answered a lot of really I was gonna say good bug questions but you have given a lot of good answers to stupid bug questions so I'm sorry if this has been asked before because it seems like it would have been but Mark if you were going to marry a bug which bug would you marry?
1: Mm, interesting damsel
2: fly.
0: Oh yeah that's a good one
2: um there is a group of bugs that is well known for presenting what's called a nupt- nuptial, or nuptial, nuptial? Relating to marriage, a nuptial gift. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, they will go find something really good, like, like, oh, I found this piece of a cricket leg, and I'll bring it to the f- female, so it's the males that do this, so i'll bring it to the female and these are scorpion flies um, and they present a nuptial gift as part of their courtship mating process so i think that i would probably marry a male scorpion fly because then i get a free gift
1: that's so similar to the human wedding
2: ring mm-hmm. yeah no, i think that's probably where humans got the <laughs> idea
1: from a scorpion fly, okay. Yeah. That's so interesting.
0: We're learning so much.
1: I mean, I gotta tell you, like I have had I mean, you ran alone just from doing this episode first half hour. You have already had your entire philosophy shifted. Absolutely, you are approaching life as an different
0: person. Absolutely, I'm not joking when I say like par- there was a part of me that was kind of like, oh, if I were a really good person, I would let maggots eat my tongue. But in real life, I wouldn't put a maggot on my tongue. So that means I'm not no, that good of a they- person. But now it turns out I don't no, have. They wouldn't to. like that.
1: You've allayed all that guilt, Mark. This is a good show.
2: Your instincts were dead on on that. Maggots would not really want to be on your tongue.
1: Uh, Mark, we got another question from Power Warriors. At Power Warriors. Okay. Just the general account wants to know, can any bugs cast spells? That's kind of fun, I guess, because they do uh, magic on that show.
2: Right. Hmm. A lot of them look like they're trying to cast spells, but I don't know if, I don't know what they're always doing, but they're- We some... can't
1: perceive the spells.
2: Exactly, or or the effect is so small that it's, the spell might be working, but it's just achieving something that's so, on such a small scale that we aren't aware of it. Um, I'm thinking of, so one example is um, jumping spiders, which are the cutest best little spiders. They just run around and they're fuzzy and have big, big cute eyes. Oh yeah, um, they are very cheap. And so the, a lot of times you'll see them doing like a, a ritual-looking dance with their legs in the air, and they could very easily be casting spells. Um, so I would say, in particular, I would recommend looking up videos of peacock jumping spiders. Um, they are up to something. It's very adorable, but if they were big, they, their spells might actually be, you know... If they're up to no good, I'm glad they're small.
0: Me, me to me spinning a web also seems like a spell in some way it seems like some kind of magic well
1: I, I like to think of it as, as poop not me <laughs> we just don't we don't put in the effort but I feel like we could
0: I think it's magic I like I like mine better
1: right, poop magic You're one of the same
0: yeah where
2: does poop come from no one knows
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I don't we're still trying to figure out what poop is that's why humanity's most persistent questions
2: <laughs> yeah I, oh i'm gonna go cast a spell like ah oh, gross don't tell me
1: all right i got the peacock <laughs> i got him casting the spell there
2: isn't that good i'd say
1: yeah it is really good boy uh are all of the patterns different per spider
2: this group of spiders to my knowledge was only discovered pretty recently um i believe in australia and that part of the world and they are perpetually discovering more species of them. And they do have different color patterns.
1: Yeah, because there's so much diversity. And yeah. this like beautiful gem on there. That's not thorax, right? That's not what spiders have.
2: Spiders are different. So we talked about head, thorax, abdomen for insects. Uh, mm-hmm. Spiders have two major body segments. The abdomen is the same. That's where their digestive and reproductive bits are. Um, but the head and thorax are sort of scrunched together into one called the cephalothorax, which means head thorax.
1: Oh, okay. So it's the abdomen that is all peacocky.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, people got so excited about this that they're discovering them. There's a lot of public interest in them because they're so cool.
0: I gotta gotta say, I know this show isn't about asking me questions, but this might be the bug that I would marry. It looks cool and it can do magic.
1: Wow! There's so much good content in this episode. I love this. All right. Well, congratulations, Power Warriors! You got a, you got a really great answer. You got a double whammy because you also got some great personal insight into Rand's love life. <laughs> uh, uh, the next question comes from everyone's very good friend. We all love him, Michael Michael Robotam Robotam. Dear dear Bug Master. Are there any bugs that cook their food? Do the other ones not get sick?
2: Um... Cooking might be a hard... I won't rule it out because they do a lot of surprising stuff that I may not be aware of. But there are some that... F- I want to call it fermenting. Um, if you take a very loose interpretation of cooking to just sort of processing food before you consume it, oh, yeah. then there are there are ants that take, so leaf cutter ants famously will harvest leaves and then cultivate funguses from them. Um, so they don't eat the leaves themselves. They'll bring the leaves back, mush them up, and create a fungus garden where the fungus grows on the leaves, then they eat the fungus. So that's sort of a, that's more like an agriculture. They, there are, they do, Fungus culture, but um, but honeybees—the uh, honey that the bees make—is sort of a processed food product. I cooking might be a stretch. So
1: it's wine, it's bee wine.
2: <laughs> um, I'm going to say there probably are. I just can't think of any.
1: So when the bees, honeybees make honey, just think about using those old big paint jugs with the plastic tube sticking out the top so that it vents the air bubbles. Am I the only person who has a memory of people making wine that way? Alright, never
0: mind. You might be the only person the only person on this right. podcast to have that particular memory.
1: Yes. I guess uh, it was such a it was my friend I stayed with for like a couple of weeks and they were making multiple types of wine and they had like these paints, like the big plastic paint buckets and they were making like five different types of wine.
2: Are you thinking of our friend who was making the the Kool-Aid wine in his closet while he was in the army? (laughs) Remind me of who that friend is? Um, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to out him and get him in trouble with the Wait, army. Wait, it's not,
1: it not army. I, okay, is this, I'm disguising, this is I
2: am disguising <laughs> what branch <laughs> okay. of the service that he was in so, Very that, so clever, that they, okay. won't, they won't court-martial.
1: Oh, <laughs> let's just say that this person maybe really loves a meal that comes in the middle of the day. <laughs> Salute you, Alex. All right. We've had a nice, easy breezy episode. Ran is is just firing away, just really being a perfect audience surrogate because she's taking the same journeys that they're going through.
0: Okay, Mark, I recently read this book um, and a sub, not even a subplot, but one of the characters in the book is an entomologist and he particularly studies Ethiopian horseflies. And he has a couple things to say about Ethiopian horseflies. And I was wondering if they're true. The first one is that There aren't a lot of intact examples to study because uh, horseflies mostly get killed because people slap them when they bite a person. Is that true? Um,
2: Horseflies do bite people, and it's intensely painful and annoying, and they get slapped at a lot. Um, But they are also very robust physically. Like, you can... so a mosquito if you give it a good smack you kill it and gush the mosquito. And so that wouldn't really be suitable for an insect collection afterward because you've gushed it all up. Um horseflies are much stouter bodied and so half the time if you smack them they just kind of are stunned for a second and then they get back up and start biting you again like they're they're very hardy. So I would say no, it's probably not totally accurate because my experience is you can smack a horsefly it falls to the ground you have to then pick it up and manually kill it or throw it in a vial to kill it or whatever yeah. like smacking smacking a horsefly smacking a horsefly doesn't really do a ton of damage to it because they're they're very strong
1: wow. Interesting. Yeah. A horsefly Debunk- can withstand smack.
2: debunking myths about horseflies and insect collections they, they yeah You could you could give them some some you can give them the business and they'll still be suitable for study.
1: Wow! Congrats, to Horseflies. you were the well armored bug of the week.
2: (laughs) Was this a fiction book or? uh...
0: Yeah, it's like a detective novel, and that was just like a weird a weird side character that doesn't actually have anything to do with the plot. And another thing that he said, this entomologist, is that there were no at the time there were no american experts on the ethiopian horsefly and i was wondering was that true when the book was written in 1987 and if that's not true what were the names of the foremost american experts in the ethiopian was this a fiction or book or a... A...
1: freaking mark fox
2: senior <laughs> yeah my dad my dad was a big ethiopian horsefly guy um oh. i don't even know i mean i assume they must have horseflies there like they probably have more than one kind i I don't know. I'm skeptical of, of the how much research went into the entomology part yeah, of this book. Yeah, it might have been
0: all, all made um, up, 100% made up. <laughs>
2: the United States has a very strong program in entomology in its military services because soldiers travel all around the world um, and get exposed to pest insects and oh. insect-borne diseases. So the, ar- so the armed forces... Uh, Pest Management Board, like th- there's been a ton of good academic research on bugs for a very long time in the U.S. military. So I bet that a North African biting fly would be something that someone from the Army had studied, if that is in fact a real thing and not made up. Um, yeah, so probably like there's, there yeah, U.S. Army just did, studied bugs all around the world, So that, especially ones that bite people
1: another great thing that the U.S. Army has done. We have a qu- we have many questions from Josh Worth at Carrie Ann Moss Wayward Son.
2: All right, well, we might have to... What are the questions, and maybe we'll decide which is good and which is bad.
1: I'll start with the first one. First is the best. Bug Bunny sometimes dresses up as pretty lady to confuse his enemies. Do other bugs do stuff like that?
2: <laughs> yeah... Um, i just learned of an example and i apologize to our listeners um if you find this offensive but i just learned of an example in parrotfish which is not a bug it's a fish um but the parrotfish has a really parrotfish as a group have really interesting sexual development where they start out as one sex and switch as they get older. There's some parrotfish where they are all female when they're young, and once they reach a certain age, they all become male. And it's just hard and fast. Like after a certain age, you become male, your coloration changes, and you're visibly male and functionally male. There are other parrotfish where half of them or some proportion of them become male at birth. The remainder are female and then later switch to male. So in those, The ones that become male from birth have female coloration, so they present with the same color patterns as the predominant females. The ones that start female and become male, their coloration totally changes. So so phenotype is the term in science for what you physically present as, what you look like what your characteristics are so there's a male phenotype for the ones that get old and change color and then you're like oh yeah that's got you know red and green polka dots that's a male the young ones that are female are like solid i'm just making this up but like they're solid pink the ones that are develop as male young are also solid pink and present as female so they have a different reproductive strategy because they are disguised as female so to me, that's very analogous to Bugs Bunny dressing as a woman to trick. Like, it, it is. they are presenting as female but are biologically male for the purpose of reproduction. So, um, since it happens in fish, and insects are way better and more interesting than fish, I'm going to say it must happen in insects. I just don't have an example on the top of my
0: head. And I was reading about parrotfish two nights All ago. All
2: right.
1: Well, I can't wait to make a parrotfish to cover up the sentence that
0: Problematic question from Josh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah,
1: yeah extremely problematic. Boy, oh boy, Josh. Uh, here's a question from Nolan O. At Nolan is my name. Oh, that's
2: my brother-in-law.
1: Well, they have two questions. Um, they're both they're both pretty easy, so I'll ask both All of right. them. Do bugs pee, and what bug lives longest?
2: Um, well, you might be able to answer the what bug lives longest uh, from your uh, your beetle friend that we talked about. Um, that we just learned.
1: Oh yeah, Paul McCartney's still killing yeah. it. He's what, like seventy-eight? It's now? Probably a
2: record. Yeah. Um, do bugs pee? The answer is yes. P, P- There's is your answer, Nolan? O. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um P P is, is you know like uh, osmoregulation, like the fluids in your body accumulate.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Uh, sol- solutes, um, sugar sugar and salt and stuff like that so i worked for a while on salt marsh insects and the the stress of being in a salty environment one of the things they have to deal with is osmosis where um fluids will flow across a membrane from low concentration to high concentration of dissolved material so if you live in a very very salty environment then you're always losing water to the environment around you. If you are saltier than the environment you live in, and I say saltier, to mean just any kind of dissolved stuff in your liquids in your body, then you will have water always rushing in. If the outside, if the outside water is more dilute than the water inside your body, water will rush in. So then you have to pee out water constantly to maintain your level of uh, internal concentration of salts and stuff. So. Freshwater insects pee a lot. Saltwater insects don't pee as much because they're trying to preserve the water in their body.
1: Well, how about that? That's very interesting. And peeing is apparently very important for bugs. Mm-hmm.
2: Not like bugs. Yeah. That's important for all of us. Mm-hmm. No, no. It, it, try not peeing for a while. You won't feel good. I haven't. OK. You well. haven't
0: felt good? Both. You haven't tried it.
1: <laughs> and you it.
0: haven't tried it, and you still haven't felt good?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. I. I'm trying I try to be my own not-
1: person.
2: Um. What was the second question? What bug lives longest? Um. I don't know, but I just learned surprisingly that a bug that Bear sent a picture of from his. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So wait, what, what From, was the name of that guy again? Hold on, I
2: gotta find him. Uh, I think it was it was the ivory-backed, or so it was like the ivory-spotted borer or something. It's a beetle. It's a lovely beetle. Um, something quadrigeminata, I think. Ivory-marked borer. There you go. Yeah, um, it's like 50, right? Yeah, I mean, I've run into these. I found them in my own house and in the woods, and you found one at your uh, house and I just learned that they can live from 10 to 40 years, which is astonishing to me. I assume that most of that time is spent as a beetle grub, like the, the juvenile larval yeah, stage. where wood. Exactly, and so they just sort of eat wood and hang out. And then when the time is right, they will pop out and be an adult beetle, like the nice one that you saw. And they're very handsome. It's a long horned beetle, which means their antennae are very long and curvy, um, like very elegant, long antenna. And then this one has spots on its back, ivory colored spots. Yeah. So, um, that's probably not the longest lived, but just an example of how lots of them live longer than you might expect. But most of it's a, as a, in the juvenile stage. Oh, th- oh, never mind. Uh, I was going to say like oh, the 17-year cicada, but we already that's a stupid example because I just said one that lives forty years. <laughs> so 17, Seventeen is less than forty for anyone keeping keeping track out there.
1: I was
0: yeah, but you know, if you got if you got three seventeen-year cicadas together,
1: collectively, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I was helping my mom move out, and I found that beetle. And I don't know if it came from yeah. old wood furniture of hers or if it just flew in. Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah. Well, my new answer is three years 17-year cicadas is the longest <laughs> lived book. Oh,
1: okay, good. So, I mean, sorry, Ivory Longhorn Beetle. I liked you, but eh, it's
2: not Yeah, good try. With three
1: li- other books.
2: Maybe live <laughs> a little longer next time. Yeah,
1: idiot. Just a couple
0: years. Almost had it. Almost had
1: it. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, I have another question. Please, One wonder,
1: more. Rand, take us home with this question, won't okay. you?
0: If I okay, if I were thinking about getting a bug as a pet, which bug would be the best for like cuddling and hanging out with?
1: Yeah, cuddly bug. Hmm.
2: There aren't too many bugs that are big enough. I I feel like people are gonna think I only really know like three bugs because I keep talking about them. But the uh, we've talked on previous many previous episodes now about the Hercules beetle. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. I think that's yeah, one yeah. of the only bugs that's big enough for you to snuggle with as a pet, where you would know that you were snuggling with anything, because um, mm-hmm. it's sort of hefty and 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 big. You'd anything else would just sort of like vanish into your clothes or you'd smush it. Um, and they're very about- strong and and, and, yeah, and like so that. you couldn't hurt it. Yeah.
0: I was I was thinking about a tarantula, maybe. Yeah, Taylor has tarantulas. They're-
2: they're great pets, and they yeah. are very fuzzy. They are not good for cuddling because their body is actually very fragile.
0: Well, when um, I say cuddle, I don't mean just like... To me, cuddling doesn't mean standing on top of something. I don't know... Uh, I assume you were going to like
2: put it down like you are going to lie on top of it.
0: No. <laughs>
1: well, remember, our standard for love is
0: like <laughs> it, can, it can lie on top of me. The bug can lie on top of me. That would work. Yes,
2: you could be the, the little spoon. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> what about a giant isopod?
2: Marcos are pretty big. They are... Well, the real giant ones live in the bottom of the ocean, so that would be a tough one. There are some terrestrial isopods that are pretty big, but the really, really big ones are uh, underwater only.
0: Yeah, you can catch them in Animal Crossing.
1: Can you really? I haven't played during the diving. Yes, you gotta
0: do the diving thing. You can catch a giant isopod. Ah. And then I guess you could keep it as a pet in Animal Crossing.
1: Can you Really?
0: Well, it would be in its little container in the tank. I know, but yeah. that
1: sucks. You can do that with a snapping turtle, where it's not. You
0: can in the there's container. a yeah, there is a crab that you can do that with in the diving update.
1: Really? Okay. Well, I yeah. like that.
0: And if you pet it, it'll it'll turn upside down and wave its little legs around in a way that's actually really creepy, but could be cute to you.
1: I don't. Know. So uh, yeah, that makes it scared. I think.
0: Yeah, it seems a little you, scary, but could be. What cute. Are, what Mark? What?
2: I was just going to say, looping back around to our discussion of <laughs> things that might like to be put on your tongue, um, there is a marine isopod that is yeah, a parasite yeah. of fish, and it, this I apologize for anyone that this traumatizes, but oh no. it will consume the fish's tongue and then latch into place in the fish's mouth and function in place of the fish's tongue while consuming i forget it's if they consume if it's eating scraps or if it's just like oh yeah i'll be your tongue while i eat the inside of your mouth like i know that, that it latches on in place of the fish's tongue and
0: that's what and you fi- think so you, that's what you think i should get as a pet
2: mark well if you want to if you want to put something onto your tongue that won't resent being there this is pretty much the only thing <laughs> that, that would be true for
1: and if you look up that isopod that replaces the tongue it does look exactly like what you would expect it is a it is like an ocean beetle that has replaced a fish's tongue
2: yeah no that's nature is a terrible it's, place it's actually it's not
1: gory or anything like that It's very strange
2: all right well that's,
1: that's beautiful i love yeah that's a great that's a great closing note. Rand, has your question been answered to your satisfaction
0: yes a giant hercules beetle one of the three bugs that mark knows yes
1: that's right
0: it's my go-to it's a good answer
1: for (laughs) everyone it'll be brought up in every episode i
0: think all
2: right i have a good picture of myself um i have a good picture of myself with my the beetle i mentioned last time that my wife's dad sent us a live one he was like oh i found something for you and yeah he just mailed us a box and we opened it up and there was a giant live Hercules beetle I mean and quite large even among Hercules beetles. And I have a nice picture of of when we were together before it passed away. Um of it crawling on my face. It live? So I could share that with you. Yeah, he sent us a live Hercules beetle. That, um, or, in a Tupperware. Oh, wow. Yeah, we kept it for several weeks. Yeah, we kept it for uh, probably a month and a half um before it passed away Gary, now it face? is it's fine. I mean it's it's just like a big dopey like it's not doing anything what they it it eats strawberries it eats like its mouth parts are meant for just like gentle scraping like it scrapes on soft fruit as an adult and um so it can't do anything to you but it's so heavy and its feet are little climbing hooks so the main thing was that it felt like getting acupuncture almost like little tiny pinpricks where it was hanging onto my skin um so not painful but it, it did feel like little pinpricks but it's a, it's a very striking photo because it's massive and it's like right on my face. If you can sh- so I'll share yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, share
1: that, share that photo, Mark. That'll be
0: good. Okay. I'll Love to, to it. see that
1: photo. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that this has been yet another successful installment of Love and Learning About Books. Thank you so much to our very special guest, Miranda Fisher, for lending her rock and roll perspective <laughs> to the world of etymology.
0: Well, thank you so much for teaching me about bugs i learned so much i'm loving it
2: <laughs> good good then we've achieved our goal that's right and thank
1: you mark okay <laughs> all right everybody we'll see you next time on love and learn about bugs